Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we're beginning a new expository preaching series through the book of Mark. Today, Pastor Jim will preach an introductory message on what he called Mark chapter 1, verse 0. Most Christians probably don't know much about the 400 years that passed in the history of Israel between what's recorded in the book of Malachi in the Old Testament and the incarnation of Christ during the reign of the Roman Empire. It's always helpful to understand the historical context when we read Scripture. And in this case, a lot changed in and around Israel in the world between the Old Testament and the New. Well, we hope this week will prepare you for the weeks and months we will spend learning what the book of Mark teaches us and how we should apply it to our lives as 21st century Christians today. Here is today's slice of the message entitled, From Malachi to Mark. A very interesting thing is that many of the quotes of the Old Testament that are contained in the New Testament come from the Septuagint. We can tell by the, uh, by the wording and comparing, and you can, dis- you can uh, ascertain the difference between a translation done spontaneously to one that is quoted from the, uh, the, the Septuagint. And the Septuagint even sometimes helps us understand the Hebrew, uh, a language that has been pretty much not in use for a couple thousand years until it was revived just over 50, 60 years ago, uh, sometimes there are obscure words there. But because we have this translation from just before the days of Jesus, if there's a Hebrew word we don't know, we can see how the Greek culture understood that word, and that sometimes gives us uh, insight. Now remember, no translation of the Bible is, is inspired or is inspired, as were the original manuscripts of the original languages. But Translations are extremely valuable, and you are super blessed to live in an English-speaking country at this time in history. You have more resources and more translations than anybody else has ever had. All right, anybody watch a football game yesterday? You might have done so, or you've seen a football game, or a baseball game, or a basketball game, or a soccer game, and uh, you, you notice that um, the, the teams wear different colors, right? That's pretty helpful. Uh, and you notice they have numbers on their back. You've got to know who's on the field uh, to know what's going on. Well, as we enter the New Testament, you need to know who's who among the Jews. You, you are now an absolute expert in world news between the Old Testament and New Testament. You're an absolute expert in understanding what developed in Jewish life between the Testaments. But now, who's around? What's going on? Well, as you open the pages of your New Testament, Israel is under Roman control. Now you know that that's significant. Okay, the Romans followed the Seleucids, who followed the Ptolemies, who followed the Greeks, who followed the knee bone connected to the thigh bone and whatever else it is, okay? Um, There's a majestic temple now in Jerusalem 
way better than even the one that Nehemiah uh, had something to do, or the Nehemiah and Ezra had something to do with this. It was built by that wicked, strange character, Herod the Great. Um, there has not been a prophet in Israel now for over 400 years. Now Jews are scattered around for thousands of miles. Now the local synagogue has become the focal point for the religious life of most Jews in the world. And by the time you come to the New Testament, there is more diversity among Jews than ever before. So I want to give you a rundown of the key players when the New Testament kicks off. And among the Jews, there are four groups with very divergent views of theology, politics, and everyday life. Two of these four play significant roles in the life of Jesus. Let's start with the most obscure one. Group number one is the Essenes. These were the Jewish version of monks. They were very spiritually oriented, but they made the absolutely flat-out dead-wrong decision that the best way to be spiritual is remove yourself from society. Okay? You don't have very much influence on people that you don't talk to, live with, work with, or have anything to do with. Well, they did that, and they did it quite well. You don't read about them in the New Testament because guess what? They hid. Okay? They, they were, had nothing to do with everyday society. But you and I owe a great debt to one of the groups of Essenes who made that unwise choice to retreat from society, to live in a community of their own, isolated from everyone. Specifically, there was this group that lived in a place down near the Dead Sea. If you don't want to have a lot to do with people, move by the Dead Sea, okay? Nobody's there in general. They lived in a a community called Qumran, Q-U-M-R-A-N. They clung together, they kept away from society, they copied manuscripts of the Bible and other religious writings. They did find out, however, that the Romans were coming through and dispatching Jews. Remember, Jerusalem was, was destroyed in A.D. 70, In A.D. 68, they swept along uh, up the coast of the Sea of Galilee, and this group of Essenes at Qumran knew that they were about to die. So they took their most precious scrolls, they hid them in clay pots, and tucked them away in uh, caves in the mountains above the Dead Sea. They weren't found until 1948 or 49, and they are the Dead Sea Scrolls which play a huge role in our understanding of the history of a lot of things and, and a lot of validating of what, the, what we know as the accuracy of our translations. But the Essenes didn't have anything to do with Jesus because they didn't have anything to do with anybody. All right? But they were very real. Group number two, the Zealots. These get a little bit of mention in the New Testament. One of Jesus' disciples named Simon, uh, not Simon Peter, was a member of this group before he became a follower of Christ. The zealots were primarily a politically motivated group of activists who were bent on seizing any opportunity they could to do anything they could that would lead toward throwing off the yoke 
of Roman oppression. Religion was part of their life, but the driving force for the zealots was get rid of the Romans. Zealots became interested in Jesus once he became popular and there was talk of making him a king. So they jumped on that bandwagon. The possibility of a a Jewish king in place of a puppet of Rome, that made them salivate. Now in the events of the life of Jesus, the zealots as a group didn't come into play very much. So their influence was felt in the culture of Jerusalem and Galilee in the days of Jesus. Now the other two groups show up prominently in the Gospels. Group number three is the Sadducees. The Sadducees were the products of, and you know this next word because you've learned it this morning, Hellenization. They were of the priestly line that descended from a high priest named Zadok, and hence Sadducees comes from Zadok. They were Greek-speaking primarily. They were aristocrats. They tended to be wealthy, and they controlled the temple policies and practices. It's generally believed that the Sadducees dominated the Jewish governing body known as the Sanhedrin. They're the, the council that had to deliberate on Jesus and a bunch of other things. When it comes to doctrine, the Sadducees were what we would call liberals. They rejected as Scripture everything except the first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis through Deuteronomy, and they didn't believe a lot of what's there. They didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead, nor did they believe in angels or demons. So if you want to keep track between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, remember the Sadducees don't believe in life after death. That death that's why they're sad, you see. Okay? You'll never forget it again. All right? That's group number three. Group number four is the Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees trace their roots to the Maccabees, okay, remember them, who opposed the forces of Hellenization, who opposed the the guys that were messing with the temple. Their name probably means separated ones based upon the fact that they separated themselves from the official religious establishment. They didn't really want to be the political ones, but they had to work with the Sadducees. They they wanted to be more spiritually separate, if you will. Now, even though there were only about 6,000 card-carrying members of the Pharisee party at the time of Christ, their influence was very powerful. The Pharisees were the ones who shaped the thinking and the practices of most Jews in Israel at that time. Their compatriots were the scribes, the experts in the Old Testament and all of the writings and oral traditions and opinions of the rabbis. The Pharisees had a rule for every situation in your life. As a matter of fact, they had rules about why you shouldn't do things that you would have never thought of doing if you didn't hear about the rules. Okay? We have modern versions of Pharisees today. Theologically, the Pharisees were the absolute opposites of the Sadducees. Not only did they accept every word of the Old Testament Scriptures, 
while the Sadducees rejected all but the writings of Moses, they also added to it. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.